Welcome to FileMaker Talk, nay, Claristock. My special guest today is Andy LaCates. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate being with you, man. It's been too long since we've seen each other face-to-face. Too long, for sure. Uh, I believe you and I are the only two people in the community with the title Platform Evangelist. Really? That, that may be true. I think there are a few out there, but uh, yeah, we're relatively few and far between. So Yeah, certainly very few. And yeah, you from inside Claris and me from outside. That's my title at Direct Impact Solutions. Awesome. Which is fun because I'm, I don't know, I've loved the platform since the beginning, just like you have. Uh, and which I think most importantly is about loving the current thing, but also still be able to, to go back and uh, remember what it was like to run on that little Mac Plus you've got behind you or 512 or whatever it is. That is a plus, I believe. I think it's the, I forget how much memory is in it. It still works. It still boots. I just don't have it plugged in right now. Um, That's cool. And it's a reminder of where technology was back then because it takes a long time to boot up. It's kind of funny. But. Yeah. My old business partner. Like that, you, you are a fantastic evangelist, man. I, you know, I know that you have the context and you have the, you know it. Uh, but I listened to your podcast and I, I thought the one that uh, you guys did a crossover podcast recently, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Chris Hippolyte and, and Jeremy, and that was really good. I really enjoyed listening to you all. And uh, I understand last night was a fantastic FileMaker feature Fight Club as well. Uh, so, oh yeah, it was good. Hey, thank you for all that you do. I just want to say that we scheduled it very badly because last night was also the January sixth hearing. Uh, so oh, that's right. most people were watching that, but we had we had over fifty people on the uh, in the Fight Club. It sounded like a lot of fun. I wanted to make it myself. I had a conflict last night, but I look forward to recording. So. Yeah, it, it was a, definitely it was recorded and that will be released. So let's talk about this. Uh, the news. What I really want to talk to you about is the Claris Problem Solver Circle and Studio and all the new things coming up. Yep. Can you summarize? Um, I can summarize. Yeah. So we we launched it now uh, a month and a week ago. I think exactly on the fifth of May. Um, and I think uh, Pete and and, Pat and uh, Brad and I did a presentation about a week before that to kind of introduce the concept. Um, it is a program, not a promotion specifically, but a new program, a way to um, deliver our products to customers. And it's a little experimental, um, but it's a little different than than kind of things we've done before. And the basic thesis of the program, the Problem Solver Circle, is to start with the knowledge or start with the premise that our developers, whether a partner company or a developer in-house, are fundamentally critical to our go-to-market success, right? It's our developers who deliver the value. Mm-hmm. Brad said that last year uh, in a keynote that without the developers, we deliver nothing. There's no value. You get the platform with which to create it and developers make that happen. So as we are thinking about how can we give developers essentially more space to do what developers do and create more value with the platform, mm-hmm. Um, one of the ideas that percolated up was this this program. And so mechanically, the basic idea of the program is for customers that use our product and get some value from it, so they already have a license, but haven't yet used it maybe across their whole organization. They're solving a, a problem or a finite set of problems, but there's so much potential to do more. Can we make it maybe attractive for that customer to do it and thus give the developer more stuff to do. Right. And so the, the program is if you have a license with our platform, you can sign up for the program on a two-year license and a bump in price of 30%. Mm-hmm. And we give you license for all of your employees. So it's a weird program and then it's relative to your existing footprint. So whether you have 10 seats or 25 seats or 50, the price will be different. It's relative mm-hmm. to what you're already committed to. 
but it allows you to say for a little bit more, I can now license everybody else in the company and I can turn Matt loose, who's my developer in-house, right? And he can go and innovate all over the place. And the additional um, sort of program benefit is that the site license includes everything that we got. Right. So it's yeah, not so just FileMaker. Yeah, it's well, FileMaker, fine. but with, with Connect, you also get you know Connect standard so you can use it and experiment with it, which you may not have already deployed. Uh, and additionally, as icing on the cake, <laughs> we added a developer preview for the new Claire Studio technology that, that Pete announced uh, back yep. in April. So, or back I want to talk a lot about that today. So Happy to. Let me give three sort of test case scenarios. For a client yep. that has uh, four seats, or they have a five-seat license of FileMaker, 900 bucks a year, and they buy it every year, uh, mm -hmm. and they have four employees in the company, Problem Solver Circle is not really going to do anything for them. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, if, if they have like a, a burning desire to get a, you know, the hooks into Claire's connect mm -hmm. and maybe see what Claire's studio is. Yeah, that's true. Really roll out, yeah, they they may decide that that's interesting, but no, you're correct. It, at a really small scale where I'm already saturated in my company with my licensing, mm -hmm. it may, it may not make sense for you for sure. Yeah. But if they have uh, if they have a public facing web direct solution, then it would be a really good value. And then for it another company, <clears throat> yeah. let's say there's a company with 25, uh, seat license of FileMaker that has 100 employees. Yep. And there's a couple of other divisions that just haven't really justified getting FileMaker yet. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a slam dunk obvious one to me because now that, now for a small bump in price mm -hmm. uh, from 25, basically like paying for a 30 seat license, they get right. all 100 employees covered and get a license for FileMaker and they can deploy multiple servers. Yeah, so your, your point is, is exactly right. One of our hypotheses on this particular program was that, yes, we want to give developers space to do more, but is our existing licensing an impediment to experimentation and expansion, right? Mm -hmm. And if the customer has to think to themselves, well, yeah, I'd kind of like to go solve a problem in a new department, but I'm going to have to buy some new licenses. I don't know exactly what I want yet. It's just a friction that, that impedes that expansion. And so the program was like, let's get all that, that risk and uncertainty out of the way. Yes, we're asking for a little bit more. Your 25 seats now cost 33 mm -hmm. seats or something for two years. But now, yes, all 100 employees, wherever in your organization you want to deploy, you can. So removing that friction now, why wouldn't you turn your developer loose yeah. to go build the value? It seems obvious. <clears throat> then you have your larger example. Let's say you have a, a client with a 1,000-seat license that has mm -hmm. 50,000 or 100,000 employees, just a huge like mm -hmm. a you know state division kind of a thing. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think it, I actually came across one of those, and one of my clients they didn't want to do it because they actually couldn't support that large number of users, right? right. So like if, if you let a bunch of these people have access to something that they didn't actually intend to buy and they mm -hmm. start using it, it'll, it could completely overwhelm your department, which is an it's odd really but good. solid reason. To, um, no, you, you're so. dead right. We, we, I believe we had one, uh, one uh, partner bring to us a customer that had a relatively small deployment in the department. It was like 50 seats, mm -hmm. uh, but the company had something like 60,000 employees. It was a big number. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were all in. We're like, yeah, the program will we'll support it. We're really yeah. not putting any limits on it. Um, but the challenge was when we dug in on the customer, the customer also had pockets of licensing elsewhere, and they weren't all consolidated into one sort of central licensing thesis. And so for that particular customer, for their IT department and their CIO to understand how to bring all those licenses together and then adopt this. It was going to take weeks, maybe months, right? right? And so it just didn't make time sense for them to adequately be able to plan and deploy. So 
lesson learned, right? And that gives us some good information for the future to think about uh, for those customers. So yeah, the, the math may not always be about the, the sort of multiplier effect, if you are the, the scale of seats that are potentially available. I think we're yeah. finding, that although we're getting customers of every size, we do have a couple of customers that are big enterprise, you know, megacorp. Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of customers that are five to 25 seats as well. And a lot in between, there is definitely an emerging sweet spot for the program at like a hundred seats to a thousand seat, or I should say a hundred employee to a thousand employee customer sizes. And this supports something I think we've thought for a long time that in that size of organization, the company is big enough to want to invest in technology to innovate and differentiate, mm-hmm. but they're not so enormous that the pressures of governance within that organization are so big mm-hmm. that it's just hard to get things done. Go. Like they can yeah. be innovative and be a little more agile and, and quick. And that's actually bearing out in this program. Uh, we're getting some great customers in that particular sweet spot. That so. completely makes sense. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit more what it includes. So the first part is it's Claris Pro, not FileMaker Pro. That confused a lot of people. But since I'm actually in the program, I've been playing with it. Um, yep. It's basically a version of FileMaker that's pretty much identical to FileMaker 19.4, from what I can see, yep. that uh, is labeled FileMaker 20. Yep. If you, if you go to the About you menu. You go to the About box, yeah. But it has one amazing new feature, which is um, there's a built-in uh, external data source, if you will, mm-hmm. which is all the data tables that you have in Claris Studio. And so for right. no effort at all, every single database that you have um, is visible to you uh, all the data in those tables are visible to you and readable as long as the user of the database is signed in to the, uh, to the, with their FileMaker ID, right? Claris ID. Right. True. So l- let me, let me pause you for a second and back up because mm-hmm. we're about to commit a communications crime. I think um, one thing that we've noticed, we have communicated so many things in the course of the last month. Uh, and a lot of our customers and partners are conflating the Problem Solver Circle program with the Claris Studio new technology, right? We do make the Claris Studio technology available as part of the program, mm-hmm. but the program and, and that are different things. And so I just want to be clear on that before we un- confuse people more. Right, right, right. Um, the, the real benefit of the program and the reason the program exists, and I will get back to your question, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the real, the real reason that program exists is what we were talking about. It's to provide a, an open space for innovation to unleash the developers and create value in an organization and implement a strategy of continuous improvement. It's the site license. Right. That's what we're doing, right? Um, so right. then part of the site license is that we are making available in addition to FileMaker and, and FileMaker, not rebranded Claris Pro, but FileMaker, right. uh, they, you have your current FileMaker license with FileMaker 19 and you have Connect and you have a developer preview to the new stuff, which right. we're now calling the Claris branded yeah, so I think we really there's sort of two conversations we're going to have right now, right? So the one other thing that you get is Claris Studio, sorry, uh, Claris Connect, okay. which yep. a lot of people haven't gotten because it because of the pricing was really sort of prohibitive to to actually deploy it. Now that's included with Problem Solver Circle, and so I think a lot of people are going to start using it that haven't before because now it's like, oh, it's there, it's just on, and you can use it. Mm-hmm. So those are, I think, the core parts, which I or, which I agree are really going to enable a lot of these organizations to use. Uh, FileMaker in an unrestricted way. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think um, we, we've we heard loud and clear from a lot of customers that Claris Connect, the licensing appears prohibitive. And thus it is, again, an impediment to experimentation, mm-hmm. right? Like, just let me get in there and, and learn how this thing works. Um, and it can be, but note that the 
the functionality that's built into Claris Connect, you know, is relative to other enterprise, I, you know, it, sorry, integration platform as a service platforms, you know, is is rather competitive. But relative to some other integration services, there's you know just dirt cheap. It's not, so we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're curious to see how the problem solver participants really take advantage of, of Claris Connect over time, what it means to them, the value that they derive in their organization. And we do fundamentally believe that Connect and FileMaker together are a really powerful combination. And it's going to get even more powerful when Studio is in the mix as well, right? Yeah, when you have that expanded tool set. So, so think- to your, your comment, we agree. Like we hope people just go to town with it and get a lot of value out of it. So. Okay. So I think that kind of really ends the conversation on Claris Problem Solver Circle. Okay. Let's talk, so about let's talk about studio. The part two. So, <laughs> so, so studio, and I have some some really pointed questions here. A, I'm when I started playing with it, I was so yep. ridiculously excited to see how easy it is to create a form, fill it out, have the data appear in a table, view all the data, yep. be able to edit it, be able to modify forms, create a link to the form, uh, make it public. I, I made a YouTube video uh, showing how excited I was about all that, which you can go find. Um, awesome. But right now, the limitation is. There's one table per form, mm-hmm. and um, like I said a minute ago, if you open it up in in Claris Pro, all of those tables appear. You can add yep. them to your graph. You can make relationships to them, ish, and we'll talk ish. about that in a second too. Right. Really, you wouldn't do that. You would just, you would basically add a layout, and yep. the data is at the moment read only, so which means Claris Pro cannot write data to it. Correct. The tables that are made in Claris Studio don't have uh, ID fields or timestamp fields yet. Right now, that's true, yep. Um, uh, and there's there's no there's no other functionality like scripting or relationships or, you know, pretty limited. It's like Google Forms uh, light, For sure. sort of, yep. in terms of what you can do. So there, there's, yeah, so um, good, good uh, uh, elaboration on the capabilities that are there. Um, I think the most important, uh, you know, phrase you're using is, for now or at this time, right? Yeah, because uh, what is in the developer preview, and it is a developer preview for a limited audience, which is the problem solver circle mm-hmm. right now, um, it is very much an MVL release or an MVP release, a minimum viable product. And so, you know, for anybody that's studied Agile, you know, the classic diagram that shows to get to a car, you start with the skateboard and then you build it out until you have something akin to a scooter yeah. and then a bike and then a car, right? This is the skateboard, right? We know. Um, and we know that, um, you know, the capabilities that you're talking about, the ability to do bi-directional, Pete has already committed, you know, in, in webinars that, yeah, we're going to get to bi-directional. That's mm-hmm. kind of important that we do that, right? Um, if we want this to be really a functional um, a tool that really works with the power of FileMaker and complements it, it has to be. So that kind of stuff, bi-directionality, things that go to relational modeling and ID fields and, and whatnot, th- those things are, are they're, they're in the backlog. They will come. And, and we believe they'll come rapidly, right? Yeah. What, um, what we have to do first, there's a couple of things I guess say. What we really have to do first is get the data model uh, of the studio platform really rigorously defined, the infrastructure for it, so that it is ready for us to then just fly with and develop into the future, right? And so all, I want to say all, but a lot of our efforts have been making sure that we get that right. So it's ready to harmonize with the FileMaker data engine, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, Pete had in the in the presentation we did back in um, April, um, like four North Stars or pillars, right? That he was really yeah, focused that, that on. One the of them way, was, by the way, there's only one North Star, but anyway, we can call them pillars. <laughs> yeah, no, I was actually in a conversation with another developer uh, 
few days ago, I think, and they're like, go with pillars on this North Star. There can only be one North Star. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, but you know, you, you, in Agile, you have your sort of bounding goals that you're going for while mm-hmm. you are learning and, and iterating. It must and do uh, one things, of them yeah. is that, yeah, you, 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 so one of the rules or one of the, one of the pillars for us is that you have one data set that's available everywhere. And so right now being unidirectional from cloud forms into FileMaker with all the limitations you express, we know it. And there yeah. will be certainly a lot more coming there. And I know Robert Holsey has been out talking to our partner community about that and, and, and we're aware of it, but we also get a, a chance to hear what y'all yell about most, right? So we can help prioritize the most important things to fix mm-hmm. as we evolve it forward. So we're getting some good learnings there. Um, yeah, I want to pause just briefly there on one thing, by the way, because yep. we're talking about this data structure, right? And we're talking about, we haven't really talked about the connection from Claris Pro to the data in studio. Uh, my friend, Carl Jajiri, uh, now at Saliant, did a bunch of research on that. He found that the mechanism that FileMaker, that Claris Pro uses to connect to that is mm-hmm. by far the ideal way, the best way that we've ever seen in a Claris product connecting to the data backend. It's nice. Um, I can't I remember what he named the technology, but... <laughs> Do you happen to know? I I, I don't. Um, you're, you're, you're going deep under the hood to a place. It's under the hood, yeah, because he's definitely an under the hood kind of guy. So yeah. basically, if you think about the way FileMaker Pro connects to Draco, we know about a lot of inefficiencies and chattiness and whatnot. And we also know a lot mm-hmm. about um, uh, other things like SQL, SQL sources and all the problems mm-hmm. you get with ODBC, JDBC drivers. We know mm-hmm. about other things like um, OData and some other ways to connect. The technology that you're using to connect to the data in studio, you hit it spot on. Well, thank you. I'll pass that on to the team or they'll watch this video and cheer. But no, that's the goal. Like, you know, Pete said from the start, he, he called it ESS plus because the way from a user experience standpoint that we may integrate the tables from studio into pro mm-hmm. feels like ESS. You drop it into the relationship graph. Now you can use it. Um, but plus it meant that we own both sides of the data pipe. We own studio and FileMaker and we can yes. do things the right way. We don't have to be dependent on drivers and somebody else in their platform. Oh, so yeah. Just, yeah, and while I don't know myself, the underpinnings and I haven't actually tried to go deep on it. Um, but uh, it's, it's not surprising to me that when we look under there that, yeah, the guys are doing the right stuff. I was really trying to test it with a million records and stuff like that. Like I usually try to do when I start something new, mm-hmm. but since you can't create data in it, you can't import data into it at the moment. That's a lot of typing forms. It'll be a lot of typing <laughs> forms. Yeah. Yep. Uh, or creating a macro or something like that. Um, but I was able to, there is a narrow little path that this is actually something that you could deploy and use right now in a solution. Um, we, we think so. I mean, we, we didn't release it uh, with the, you know, we, we tried to build a use case for it or mm-hmm. build around a use case that FileMaker isn't especially awesome at, right? Which is going out to an anonymous, potentially infinite supply of users over the web and having them submit data. It's it's not a forte of a platform that was founded on a local area network, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we thought this is a great way to introduce a technology that complements, doesn't supplement or replace FileMaker and make it better and, and start lightweight, right? And from there, we'll, we'll move forward with more complementary right. capabilities in the future. If I create a database with Claris Pro and I created this connection of data and someone opened the database with FileMaker Pro 19, would the mm-hmm. data be visible or no? Um, so yeah, this is a really good question. And um, I'm not sure I have the confidence to say with certainty. My understanding is that in that file, um, I will, when I'm in Claris Pro, um, have my identity and it will be associated with my ID, my Claris ID in the context of Claris Pro. I don't believe it is shareable back to FileMaker Pro users at that point. Yeah, no, um, so, there's not a Claris server 20 product yet either, is there? 
Not yet, but there will be hundred okay. um, percent. Okay. And the main thing is that I believe you can actually access a hosted file today uh, with it, but it will, in order to see the Claris Studio stuff, you would have to be in the context of Claris Pro as a client because we don't have that rolled into server or FileMaker Pro, nor will we, right? So yeah, the, 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 this is partly why we know that we have a transitionary phase. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to build a FileMaker that can now enjoy the economies of scale and the new capabilities of native right. cloud-based technology, right? Um, but we can't just wholesale take what we have in FileMaker today and do that without disrupting the infrastructure that people have already you know, built right. their careers and businesses around for decades. And so right. uh, it, it is wacky and something we're going to have to really be clear about over mm -hmm. time that we will have a Claris branded version of the platform and a FileMaker branded version of the platform right. while people have the opportunity to say, okay, I'm not ready to go in the Claris stuff yet. I know I'm going to get there someday, but right now we are moving forward with FileMaker. We, we're releasing uh, next week, uh, 19.5. Oh, okay. Uh, Pete, talk, Pete talked about it uh, in the April uh, webinar okay. as well. Uh, he talked about 19.5 and our plans for 19.6. The update for 19.5 is coming really soon. It's a great FileMaker release. Uh, and so, yeah, we're continuing to invest in FileMaker. So anybody that's currently on the platform should be very confident in their future. Uh, we're not going right. to you know, pull both, the plug on it. Both products will exist in parallel. Um, yeah, they will have to live in parallel for a while. Um, the experience inside them will be essentially identical per your earlier comment. Claris Pro is FileMaker Pro with a new name and the ability to get to all the cloud stuff. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Before I, before I get into the roadmap, which is kind of the main thing I wanted to ask you about, um, yeah. I want to just throw one thing, one other thing out there. the data that's in Claris Studio. So mm -hmm. when you see your data there, that's really, truly modern cloud data. You don't have to build a server. Right. You don't have to manage a server. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's always on, always replicated, basically never fail. Just like you'd see with any other cloud platform. You don't really think about the server where your Google Gmail data gets stored. It's right. just there all the time. This Correct. is like that, right? You're using an industry strength, super fast database, blah, 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 which, so this one thing that's always been sort of a challenge of mm -hmm. having to maintain or manage a server or hiring hosting company is gone. Mm -hmm. And so for that data, some, for sure. Yeah, yeah, if at some point in the future, all of our data and all of our tables on FileMaker Server now was in uh, these other tables in in Claire Studio, mm -hmm. then we wouldn't need FileMaker Server anymore because that would be our data source. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Um, well, potentially yes, uh, but that's not a goal of ours per se. Which is to say, we we believe that there's there is um, differentiation. Like there's value in our platform, and that we are so good at being on premise, and we're so good at being offline. Um, you know, we we've got a probably the most powerful you know platform out there anchored on low-code construction uh, for doing uh, local area network on-premise offline stuff. Right? We're not just going to throw that away. Um, but yeah, if you believe that the future uh, includes ubiquitous connectivity without fail, um, then having you know your your data in the cloud in a place that you can trust to always be available for you is fundamentally awesome and critical to your strategy. So yeah, yeah having the, the way that we're modeling it, we'll have the ability to have both, right? Which is the great right. thing. You don't lose any of your FileMaker capabilities, but you start getting to taste and expand into the the sort of cloud right. stuff. And then over time, uh, as customers, we'll get to choose where we want yeah. our data to be. Yeah, the dream for me would be to work with a customer to say, oh, well, we know where this is going to go. So this weekend, we're going to move the data in these four tables 
off of FileMaker Server and onto onto um, Clara Studio, right? And so we just right. move the data from here to there, update the information on the graph, and now the now those that data is those data. If you're, you know, certain depending upon what type of a uh, uh, education you had in college, um, all the public health people I know refer to it as those data. Those data. <laughs> yes. Um, would then be available there. And then eventually, you know, I, I really do see a clear, like for my applications, I would very, very much like to move it for many different choices all in all the places where the data um, um, needs to be mm -hmm. on all the time and you and I don't really want to deal with server. Okay, so right. right. So today we have, we know- I, we I have. would say though, to, to make sure we don't confuse any listeners, I think mm -hmm. that that will be a possibility at some point in the future. Okay. Um, it will be in the future though. Like right, right. now oh, yeah, yeah. to make a FileMaker app, you know, be its best, run like a FileMaker app, um, you, you're going to want your data in the FileMaker data store, right? Mm -hmm. in, in the Draco engine uh, to get all the benefits that we've, mm -hmm. we've developed over 30 years. Um, that I would take all my native FileMaker tables and project them up into studio somehow and then use them. I don't know if I would do that, although we have some customers that live on ESS, right? All their data is in SQL. So it, it's conceivable um, but yeah, I, I, I don't want to suggest that we're going to disrupt your ability to trust, believe in, and, and you know, advance your, your solutions with your native FileMaker data either, right? That's I think yeah, we'll have choice, I think is kind of what you're saying, right? Yep. yep. And yeah, I mean, we know there's with ESS, because you don't control both ends of the pipe, there are some challenges and things you have to do. Um, right. Okay. So, uh, so we, we know what we have now, and we know that there's going to be something coming out in fall. What, what will that look like, by the way? The fall release. Uh, yeah, you know that's a good question, right? Like, I think I think I have ideas. Um, I don't want to say with certainty, right? I want to set anybody's expectations. Uh, we have the the studio product out. We're going to evolve it very rapidly. I know that the engineering department has some priorities like bi-directional data exchange. Um, one thing that, um, you know, we, we have to get Claris Pro into shape so that we can distribute it to customers in a reasonable fashion. We got to get the licensing right for this too, right? Like we're now bundling all these technologies together. What is the licensing scheme for it? And um, we don't want to make that any you know, more complex. And so we, we have to figure that stuff out. Um, we have data stores right now for the studio technology that are on US West and only US West. Oh. We have got to get the data centers you know, populated in other parts of the world. So there's a number of things that are definitely priorities. We will advance the form capabilities, I assume, so that you know, people be able to build more robust forms uh, with you know, bi-directional data as, as a mm -hmm. piece of that equation. And then we have some other ideas for, for how we can use the, uh, the build new capabilities into the studio platform to augment FileMaker as well. So I expect all those things to come out. Uh, Pete said the fall. Uh, I've heard him say September as well. Uh, they're working really aggressively and, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, one thing that he did talk about um, in April as well, that with the new Claris identity built into Claris Pro, uh, we will have the opportunity to potentially do a freemium version of Claris Pro. Mm, so the huge. one can download it, which is huge, right? It's a big deal because right now you want to get free access to the platform to try it out and learn it. Um, you're, you know, in a, what's, what's our window now? Is it 45 days? Yeah, 30 yeah, something days. like that. Yeah, I haven't done a trial in years, I apologize. Yeah. But you know, you have a 45-day window or something to inspect it. If you don't get it done by day 45, you're you're out of luck um, for a couple of years until you get to try again. And so let's just remove all those impediments. You know, we really want people to be able to get in, explore, play with the product, learn it. You can do anything you want with it too. There's no restriction mm -hmm. until you deploy and share with others. That's the intention, right? So um 
Yeah, Are we going to have that, that in September? Yeah. I don't know, but it's coming. It's coming uh, as, as rapidly as we can get it out. Okay, so, so there's that. So what about what yeah. about the roadmap of of things? How how are we going to see things being added to Clara Studio in terms of what you can do with the forms? Uh, when we're going to actually have some script coding there? When we're going to see mm-hmm. multiple tables? Uh, when we can link one form to another? You know, are is there going to be like a monthly roadmap of those, or are we? What's that going to look like? Yeah, I think um, what we need to paint uh, as a picture, um, and I think Pete's starting to do that. I know the engineers are starting to communicate is, you know, what are the things that are on our backlog and on our intention list, right? And then the, the question we probably won't be able to adequately answer beyond a few months hence mm-hmm. is when, right? Because you really kind of don't know until you get closer to it and you start getting certainty. But we know what the, those, we, we have all these priorities to extend the capabilities, get bi-directionality, you know, calculation-like functionality. Mm-hmm script-like functionality or automations, you know, th- those are all on the radar. Um, but in terms of when, uh, yeah, goodness knows. So here's the thing. I believe that the pace that I'm hearing we're going to be delivering on is going to just be different than, than mm-hmm. we have come to expect, right? Traditionally, prior to version 19, we would update our product every 12, 15, or 18 months, right? right? Um, back in 2003, I think it was a 24-month window. I remember doing the same demo yep. at DevCon a years ago. Yeah. yeah so with that. the cloud product, though, you can just sort of add and turn on features. I mean, we see yeah, that with all the other weeks. things, right? Yeah. Slack, Zoom, Every- Gmail, all these other things. They just say, hey, there's there's a, some new features that are here today. And they're exactly. there for the cross-world the wide. And they don't break any of your current stuff. They just, now you have some additional functionality. That's exactly it's not right. like PHP where, you know, things break. <laughs> It's it's you know modern cloud technology. So I, I think I'm not really asking. You're getting so much. the thing right that we'll we'll get into a pattern where we're going to have to figure out a continuous communication mm-hmm. uh, to update you and the audience about what's in the platform. Um, anytime that we you know print produce, if you will, documentation, it's going to be obsolete in a month. So right. yeah, we have to figure out ways with which we we keep the the communication live, help people understand what's out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I hope we get to do this more, Matt, like this kind of thing. And I'm sure we'll have other formal channels. You know, we're, we're meeting with all the meetups around the world or as many of them as we can, uh, as well as uh, some other live streams and events. And uh, I'm looking forward to this kind of new model of communication. But yeah, customers can expect they're going to see updates really rapidly. Yeah, so uh, I, I think I think my question wasn't so much when are we going to see the next update. It is what's the schedule of updates going to look like? You know, when they start mm-hmm. coming in, you know, will they be really small ones? You know, like really, really agile, week by week, month by month. Is that the, mm-hmm. is that the goal? I, I guess that's what I'm asking. Um, I have heard language in different circles about every three weeks, every four mm-hmm. weeks. You know, I, I don't know that we're going to have a, a specific, you know, uh, I don't know, formal agenda that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, update Tuesdays, uh, first Tuesday of the month. Right. Or, you know, I don't think it's going to be something like that. I think it'll be when we're ready to push uh, updates as needed, we will. And um, and and keep that, uh, let's call it, that, that train rolling, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, cool. We'll see. We're, we're, I think we, by the time probably you and I get together next and do this, <laughs> hopefully we will, we will have seen the pattern playing out, right? And right. then we're going to be like, okay, I see it now. I'm getting with something pretty much every month. So that's right. pretty awesome. And, yeah. And, and I do also, you, you hinted at it, I do foresee like a series of these conversations where as it evolves, um, uh, we, uh, you know, look at it. And, you know, I'm mainly what I do right now is a trainer. So mm-hmm. one of the things I'm really looking forward to doing is helping the FileMaker community learn these things as they really are out there. So right now, yep. there's not a scripting environment. There's not a calculation environment. When those things come out, I'm really going to want to have some classes and help people 
um, say, mm -hmm. oh, here's how it works in FileMaker, here's how it works in Studio, here's how you can adapt it and link mm -hmm. it best so that you don't have to go figure it out. You can, you know. Anyway, yeah, it that, is that interesting. Excites, that excites um, me a lot. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's very interesting. And I think there's um, a challenge and an opportunity for uh, developers that are used to the FileMaker tool set in that we will get a new tool set for designing the forms and, and whatnot, right? And you, you said you built a YouTube video and you've seen it, but it's, but it's fun, right? Like, because it's so much more declarative. You go in and you're not saying I want a text field and then later figuring out the auto entry options and the display mm -hmm. options and all that, right? Yeah. It's not three steps. It's one. Just give me checkboxes. Just give me a, a, a you know, a date picker or something. And yeah. it, it sort of puts all those things together in one fell swoop. So you just design it and go. Um, I know Robert did an experiment uh, internally where he took a form that we use uh, internally as a survey tool uh, at our company built in FileMaker. So he already had it. He had a perfect spec because it was it already existed. Mm -hmm. And he rebuilt it in FileMaker and he rebuilt it uh, using Studio. Um, and in FileMaker, I believe it took him about 45 minutes to get it all constructed and, and ready to go. Mm -hmm. In Studio, it took him four minutes and seven seconds. Like that's that's a huge value add. So even though wow. it's a, even though it's a primitive tool, it's interesting because then it gets you to the purpose of like, who's it for, right? And for the advanced developer like yourself, like Robert, like our pro developers that are probably listening, um, this is going to just give you time back, right? For for the right job, you're going to be able to get something done so quickly with this. So it would be like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? I can get that done in five minutes instead of an hour. Yeah, I'm all in, right? Um, and on the other hand, though, it also, because the, the tool is just so much simpler, it offers us an opportunity to address a customer that we haven't really addressed in quite some time, which is the customer we used to address on that thing, right? Anybody could pick it up, convert a spreadsheet and build forms, right? Now we've got a tool that would allow other people in your organization to potentially build forms, capture data, and, and have a, a basic list for you to start reporting on, right? Mm -hmm. So we have an ability to kind of go, I don't want to call it downstream, but to extend the platform out to the non-professional developer as well in ways that we haven't been able to do in quite some time. So. It's exciting. Yeah, it really is. This is the biggest change. Uh, well, I mean, we saw you know Claris Connect a few years ago, but this is really a, a different thing than that. This is this to me. It looks like it's the core. It's not just an add-on. It's a it's the beginning of a seeds of a really really core change in the product. Yeah, it it, it I, I believe it is the future of the platform, uh, which isn't to say that it is a replacement for what we all know and love, right? right? Yeah. But it is the thing that propels us into the next generation with the tools we already have and a new tool set that just gives us this, this new facility. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're pretty jazzed about it as well. <laughs> and we've been cooking on this thing for a while now. Oh, so yeah, we're, yeah. we're excited to bring it out. Last night at the meetup, someone was talking about a FileMaker 6 to 19 conversion. Oh yeah? That he's in the middle of doing. I'm like, damn. And he said the client is so happy with FileMaker 6 because they've never lost data in all that time. That right. is one of the things I just love about FileMaker, right? And because I've certainly mm -hmm. encountered a lot of those as well. Not in the last maybe two or three years have I done something that old. No, that's not mm -hmm. true. I actually did one two years ago. Um, yeah, for a museum. Uh, I love that. I mean, what else, what else can you run yeah. you know, like that? Yeah, it's, it, there's no other platform that's been around as long as this. And yeah, you think about some of the apps that have been around for decades. It's just nuts, right? Um, custom maps. Um, see, hard to find a spreadsheet that's been around that long or another app that's been around that long in a different yeah. platform. So of course, yeah, we're, we're proud of it. it I was just going to say, I, I talked to a customer um, 
golly, I guess it's been almost two years ago now, but we did a tour to just chat with customers and understand their, their perspective on our platform and what it really meant to them. And one of them was um, a developer in a, in a university in the Northeast US. And they mentioned kind of to your point that they had a FileMaker server that had been running for 12 years and had gone down twice and both times was human error. So, you know, it is a platform people wow. rely on yeah. and depend on. But we, we don't want to, we, we want to honor that as we move forward for sure. I think most of my host hosting customers have experiences like that too. It's just really rock solid, uh, especially on cloud servers on AWS that um, that we had done. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we say that, and then I always I get a little nervous and have to acknowledge that there are times when we screw sure. something up. I think when we had nineteen dot one out, there were some issues in the backups, yeah. and we got into some race conditions, and but we fixed it pretty rapidly, right? Since Pete's been on the helm with the engineering team the pace with which we've been addressing bugs has been uh, pretty phenomenal compared to you know, historical. In fact, 19.5 that's coming out, Pete mentioned in the presentation that there'll be about 400 bug fixes in there, which turns out wow. to be accurate. Um, yeah, and, and a lot of them are quality of life issues that people have been asking for for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. Can you fix this little annoyance over here or that? Some of them are fundamental. Um, but the I, I don't know what percentage I would attribute to this, but most of the work in 19.5 has been about performance, stability and security. Right. And um, so there's some just good fundamentals in WebDirect will perform faster. We got better, better, better memory management for it. Um, you know, we're doing some things on the web server side if you're hosting with, with Linux that will make it better. Um, it, there's a lot of under the hood, uh, just tuning happening right now. And in part, we're doing that because we have to get the platform rock solid, refactored and ready for this next generation that we're yeah, about yeah, to- Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And they're still, uh, still work being done on like web direct features because those have actually been coming along really nicely in the last couple of years yeah web direct is still fundamentally important one of the questions that has been coming up a lot uh since we started talking publicly about claire studio is whoa is this replacing web direct because i do a lot of that uh and the answer is no not, not a chance you know if, if you want to take a richly realized you know filemaker app experience out to the browser that's not studio, right? You know, it, not today. It, it, it could be in a couple of years down the road or something, mm -hmm. but not today. Right. Yeah. Um, that's so, clear. Yeah, Web, WebDirect is a critical part of the, the portfolio as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've got some major apps developed with that as part of the solution, right? You know, mm -hmm. the, the perfect scenario for WebDirect is a core application that's complex that's, that requires the FileMaker client, and then a more public-facing application that's that's only a portion of it that's optimized right. for WebDirect or Go or something right. like that. That's mm -hmm. another another really um, sweet spot for for the product mm -hmm. line. So, right what on. things did I not ask you that I should have? Oh my gosh! Um, one thing that. Uh, I found, uh, I hope that we haven't conflated this. We were talking earlier about confusing customers, right? With all the craziness that's going on between program, between studio, the parallel platforms, what does that mean? Um, one element of language that we're gonna have to be super crisp on is distinguishing the concept of cloud in general from the thing that is FileMaker cloud, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I think there was a, um, a, a webinar or, or something that Pete attended. I can't remember exactly which, but he was asked a question uh, regarding uh, the ability to put Clara Studio on-prem. Um, and Clara Studio is native cloud, but it will support on-prem. You can use it with, with Claris Pro mm -hmm. with no cloud or server deployment. You can use it with a hosted server on-prem in Claris Pro and use the mm -hmm. studio stuff. But the question was, uh, can I put Studio on-prem? And the answer uh, from Pete, if I recall correctly, was that 
we are building it such that we can do that at some point. Hmm. It is not our immediate priority to do that. We have I, got to get the man, I, My point. answer would be hard. No, forget it. <laughs> well, they're, they're, we have a lot of customers though. They rely on us for on-prem and on-prem is a huge differentiator for our platform. Like yeah, we, yeah. customers use us. We, well, we I mean, have, there's a customer Matt some years ago there. We, we sent out um, uh, another Matt um, that was on my team and uh, he went out as a systems engineer to help them with an issue. And he had to get into a room after going through a security check with somebody using FileMaker and they had to sit in chairs facing away from each other. So he had his back to the person in their computer and the person would work on their computer and ask questions over his head that Matt would try and imagine what he was seeing, right? So we have customers that have very secure deployments of our platform in places yeah. where they, they have to have on-prem. So going back to the, the original thing though, the, the question was, can Studio be on-prem? The answer is at the outset, no, but we're building it so that it could be. If that's a business priority for us, we could do that uh, at some point. Um, but we have had customers who heard Pete say that and what they heard was, I cannot use Clara Studio with, I need FileMaker Cloud. Right, right. I can't use it with FileMaker on-prem. Mm-hmm. And that's not true, okay. <laughs> right? So FileMaker Cloud is different than just the idea that Studio is a cloud property, Connect right. is a cloud property. There's no dependency between FileMaker Cloud for deploying your apps and Studio. And I hope the audience, if there's anybody out there who wasn't sure about that, gets that. Right. I don't need FileMaker Cloud to use Clear Studio. Yeah, that's okay. So, that, that was clear to me, but I'm glad you brought it up to uh, um, for others. <clears throat> um, so, wow, another question. Oh yeah, yeah. So FileMaker Cloud and using your own hosting uh, with you know building your own AWS or whatever, or mm-hmm. running a server on-prem. None of those really meet one particular definition of cloud, <clears throat> which is the single point of failure of the FileMaker Server Draco engine. Mm. Even though it doesn't go down often. You do still have mm-hmm. to do OS updates, and <clears throat> there's things even with FileMaker Cloud with your with the Clarus offering that you have to to take it down for, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you can have every single uh, component be redundant all the way up into the operating system and the instance of FileMaker Server. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't I don't know if it's really cloud because of that. So I I sort of I think that yeah, no, last I- step has to be. Um, yeah, no, appreciate appreciate your concern on that. I totally oh, get not, it. Not um, a concern. Yeah, I think it's I think, just sort of a definition, maybe. Yeah, no, and, and I, I, I understand it um, definitionally, um, for sure. This will not be a, a situation for Studio, uh, nor for Connect, right, potentially. Um, so right. I, I think it really is, a, it, it is about the Draco engine and kind of how it works. Um, certainly, we've advanced that platform so that you know, like in 19.5, we have, you know, parallel backups to perform backup performance and other things to help mitigate in cases of disaster recovery, whatever you might need. Um, but, uh, but yeah, understood. Yeah, I, I really love having built a bunch of AWS servers that every single thing <clears throat> that you think of as a physical thing is actually not a physical thing anymore. It's actually a metered right? product. Right. You know, RAM is not RAM. Disk is not disk. OS is not OS. They're metered products. And you yeah, get charged it's not a by computer. the unit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Data. Yeah. It's really, I mean, yeah. you, like a hard drive, expanding a hard drive in AWS can be done while the server is running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Ooh. oh, we're almost out of space. Let me put 50 gigs more on there and, you know, go into the right. OS and add, increase the partition if it's Windows. Um, and then poof, you have more space. Yeah. For sure. You, yeah. It doesn't work like that with a, uh, it's a whole different world, right? Compared yeah, to where we were years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, For sure. So, yeah. What else? What else did you want to talk about? I think you and I just covered two hours of material in fifty minutes because we both talk almost as fast as Trevor Noah. 
<laughs> I know, I know. It is a, a challenge I've, I've had my whole life. I'm trying to trying to work on it, Matt. It's a continuous improvement for me. Um, no, you know, I, I think um, no other immediate uh, topics uh, are, are coming to mind that we're just missing today. But I, mm-hmm. I appreciate the time to talk a little bit about Problem Solver Circle and that we have what two weeks left, I guess, with which customers can get in. Um, and then, uh, you know, in Claire Studio, we, we've got a lot more coming. So I, I look forward to having more of these conversations. And some of it is seeing, is believing, and understanding. So I really appreciate you doing the video out there, and, and we'll get more sure. and more communications on it. Do you think that it. deadline might shift? For the release of Studio? No, no, no. That The two-week that re- deadline for signing up for Problem Solver Circle. Ah, okay. So why would you want that to shift? Well, because I have some, I have some clients who are still in the deciding phase, and they might not be able yes. to be convinced, but in by the end of June, and I'd really, you know, for their sake, I'd like to have another month or so. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I think that in part, uh, this program, you know, had some sort of experimental qualities to it. We wanted to get in and see what might happen, and didn't want to open it up forever in case we didn't like it, and right? if it didn't work for customers, created a bad experience right. or something, but. Um, so I, I think right now we're, we're holding to the, uh, the deadline, which I think is the 24th, um, but we are taking feedback from folks like yourself. And um, we have had a number of partners that are coming to us with the larger organizations that do require a little more time to digest mm-hmm. and understand and make the call. We, we may try to do some sort of extension on it, or Matt, we may look at it and say, what worked here? And can we come up with sort of a variant program that you know, makes it easier for other customers? So we're, we're looking at all angles right now. So no promises, but yeah, we, we, may, uh, we may open the door uh, a little bit for, for customers. Just if time was the, the real limitation and they really do want in, we'll, we'll take that, see if we can't make something happen. Okay, cool. Because really, I think we're, we're, we, we believe it's just, it's all positive, right? And so we're not trying to be restrictive. Um, maybe to the 500 customer limit, which I don't know if we'll get to, but I can tell you we've had many more than 500 calling us with interest in the platform. Mm-hmm. So I think we tapped into something and uh, it's a good learning. So hopefully we'll do more things like this in the future. Cool. Thanks so much for your time. It's always great to talk to you. It's been really long times, either in person or online. <laughs> so Likewise. And I don't want to sound like I'm disappointed if he's not here, but I hope Mr. Petrowski is doing good as well. And I can uh, catch up with him soon too. Yeah, he's on vacation, but yeah, the next one will definitely have him a part of the video and audio as well. Right. On. I appreciate what you guys are doing uh, with the talk and uh, the chance to be here. So let's, uh, let's do more of this. And if we can get some other folks from Claris out, we'll, we're happy to happy to support. Now I'm missing Matt's like a uh, sultry closeout music that always comes up at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting music on this one though. It's just going to go up. <laughs> All right. Right on that.